The payoff pitch on the way. Swung out of this. Strike three. He's done it. Johan Santana has pitched a no-hitter. Put it in the box. In the history box. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to the Mets Baseball Carnival. Uh, this is episode four. I'm your host, Zach Braff. You can follow me on Twitter at BravC. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at MetsBBCarnival. And I'm joined by my co-host tonight, Joe. You can follow him on Twitter at JosephFesco. Joe, uh, how you doing, man? Uh, doing good, as I would expect most Mets fans to be right now. Yeah, let's just say this has been an amazing few days for Mets fans. Still kind of feels like it's a dream it does not feel real i know we were talking earlier today and you were just like you woke up and you just didn't think that this was real life but i can assure you my friend that this is real life steve cohen has been approved it's pretty much all but official they gotta dot some i's cross some t's but um it should be all but official next week it's been a wild ride we've been kind of tracking this since we started the podcast a few months ago and it's it, it's a done deal, basically. And we've uh, been following some reporters along the way that have been re- reporting these all this information about the deal going down. And uh, I'll let you get into some of that. But it just feels great to finally have an owner that's uh, in it to win it, it feels like. We saw today Steve Cohen is is on Twitter. He's got a Twitter presence, and it's just it's awesome to see. We'll get into some of that, but I just I want to get you've been tracking this Joe more so than a lot of people, and I just want to get your initial reaction and your thoughts on everything that went down on Friday. Yeah, I, I, first as you bring up Twitter, I have to give a special shout out to Laura Goldman, classmate of Steve Cohen at Wharton. I believe she was a year behind him. But I mean, going back to what I believe is December of December of last year, she's been in the mix, feeding the Met fan base plenty of plenty of, of good nuggets of information, which a lot of it, if not all of it, really turned out to be correct and accurate. So kudos to her. And then uh, Joe Pantorno of AM New York, he was great as well in his coverage of the the bidding process all the way through. Cohen's approval by ownership, MLB ownership on Friday. And now we're just waiting for the the transaction to close. Cohen released a statement on Friday and also took to Twitter to to let the fan base know that he he is excited about this opportunity and he's hoping for a quick close, hopefully within the next 10 days. That is because free agency agency has started on Sunday. Yeah, Uh, it would be nice to get this whole thing wrapped up. Like you said, um, a lot of we would like to get ahead of the curve here with some of these big ticket free agent guys. Um, I know that they have calling quali- They extended a qualifying offer to Stroman, and technically, I guess that's still under the Wilpons agenda as of right now, because that needed to be in by I believe it was a Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. I believe that has to be on the table, and then he has ten days to accept or deny. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I mean, this free agent market is just, uh, it's very odd so far. It's going to be tough for for a lot of these, um, uh, I would say, middle-tier free agents. I mean, I think your premier free agents like Springer, Real Muto, Bauer, I think those guys are are still going to get paid, but there's going to be some other guys um, that may have a little bit more trouble getting a multi-year deal. And um, it would it would be nice to have this whole thing wrapped up with Cohen just so that we can be ready to go and make some some strong offers right from the start. So, like we said, hopefully by the end of next week, that should be finalized. But just going back to the Steve Cohen stuff here before we start talking um, about like free agents and everything. Um, I mean, he's he's just been so interactive with fans, especially today We're recording this on Sunday here. And Steve Cohen has just been replying to fans uh, left and right on Twitter. By the way, he went from like 3,000 followers to almost 35,000 followers in a day. So uh, I think people are starting to realize that Steve Cohen is on Twitter and everybody wants to follow this guy. But he he asked the fans like what they want to make 
the fan experience better. Like he wants to hear directly from the fans, and I, it just doesn't that doesn't happen very often. Like this is this is if you're a Mets fan, like this is phenomenal knowing that your owner wants your feedback and he's actually taking the time to answer people. Yeah, he, he's done more in 48 hours for connecting with this fan base than the Wilpon family had done over the course of their reign of this organization. Uh, Cohen is clearly out there and on Twitter and engaging with the fan base. There was always reports and rumors about Jeff Wilpon being this, uh, having a presence on Twitter, but, but more or less being a troll in the background, <laughs> not participating in the commentary, but just really gathering the feedback and then really seeing what was taking place regarding the, uh, the message around the organization. So again, kudos to, to Cohen for really putting himself out there as the new majority owner of the New York Mets and really engaging with the fan base in a way that we're not used to. I mean, this is definitely a, a break from the norm and I think it's, it's for the best. We were talking before about how we can't think of another, another, ownership scenario where there's an owner who's bought a majority stake in a team that they've just been a passionate fan of their their entire lives i mean we were talking like mark cuban like he bought in and he's a huge super fan but i'm not sure if he was like a diehard fan before he bought the team like steve cohen has been his family has been a lifelong fan of this team there was a picture of him and his wife that was posted i mean he's got mets memorabilia in the background like this guy is clearly a fan of the team and it's going to make winning that much sweeter for him when that time does come and hopefully it's sooner than later because we've been waiting forever here. <laughs> but um, it's just awesome to know that there's a, a true diehard fan that's taken over control of this team. And it shows with some with some of these Twitter questions. I just want to scroll through some of these. I mean, he's like I said before, he's asking people what they want to make their experience better. Somebody, let's see here. Somebody mentioned, remember Kiner's Corner, the show that used to be on after the games? Somebody wanted to bring that back. And Steve Cohen said, I remember that after the games a long time ago. Would love to bring it back. He also brought up, somebody brought up having an old timers day like the Yankees have. I, I don't know if that's ever been something that's been on the table for the Mets, but that would be amazing to see some of these old timers come back and play a game. So he said, that's a no brainer. Consider it done. Like, <laughs> Just that, and um, somebody wanted to get Duncan Dunkin' Donuts inside the stadium. <laughs> he said, they said, it's a low item on the list, but can we please get it done? He said, I will deliver it personally. Like, this guy's witty, he's got jokes, and he's he's just going to get some of this stuff done. It's, it's awesome. Um, somebody also mentioned about hiring smarter people in the building, especially in the analytics department, and... Cohen's response was higher than smarter than you. That's worked for me in the hedge fund business. So it's clear that this guy is going to hire bright minds, bright baseball minds and surround himself with those types of guys. Yeah. I mean, those, those are all great Twitter responses by Cohen. My favorite of the bunch uh, is about, I think someone tweeted at him with a, a photo of uh, a letter from the New York Mets, New York Mets letterhead, letting him know that he was banished from all things Mets, City Field, uh, Brooklyn Cyclones, Port St. Port St. Lucie, and Cohen responded to this guy. Said, "If if this is true, we need to correct it." Um, and it, it's believed that he was banished because of of tweeting at Jeff Wilpon or saying some things about Jeff Wilpon and the organization that were not in in good taste. So he received this basically cease and desist, and, and you're not allowed at our, at our stadium anymore, which uh, is, I think, right for par for, for Jeff Wilpon and, and that family. So uh, that was, that, uh, there's a bunch of great ones, but that was probably my, my favorite of, of yeah. the lot. That was the next one I was going to get to. Another one that I like, they list five bulleted points here. Let the players go back on local sports radio. I don't listen to a ton of sports radio. I know you listen to WFAN, but... Mets players have not been able to go on there. Is that true? Uh, I think a little bit. I, I mean, I haven't listened to the fan uh, like I used to now being here in Massachusetts, a little less connected to to the sports radio in New York. But yeah, I think there was there was a little bit of uh, uh, what's I, there's a term I'm looking for, but it's not coming to mind. But they were they were kind of blacklisted, so to speak. And okay. um, I know the Yankees, I know Boone like has a weekly spot and everything. But, yeah, it sounds like there were issues, so it would be nice to get that sorted out. 
Yeah. Uh, they also mentioned more family day experiences, get the family involved, more food and bar options inside City Field, bringing back the black jerseys, which I saw That'd a few be people do. <laughs> I know be P- great. Pete Alonzo was vocal about that last year, like Friday nights where, where the black jerseys. I, I like those jerseys. I miss those. Yeah, they're sweet. Um, and then the last point was win, baby, win. And Cohen's response was all reasonable thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's just awesome that he uh, that he's responding to all these tweets. I I could, I could just scroll through this guy's Twitter for hours, here. <laughs> but it's it's fantastic that this is all but official. I mean, it, months ago it sounded like this deal was was all but dead. Um, I I don't even remember exactly what happened there, but it it, it, it he actually got a better deal for himself in the end, right? Yeah, I mean, this goes back to, to December of 2019. Um, I believe the Mets released a statement that they were in negotiations with Steve Cohen for a majority share of the team. And at the time, it was only an 80% share with the five-year grace period where the Wilpons would still hold control as that as that five-year grace period ends. And that ended up falling apart in February, mainly due to the fact that the Wilpons wanted to maintain control. And I think there were some complications with whether or not SNY was part of the deal, because I believe the total package was $3 billion that Cohen offered for both the team and the network. And that fell apart in February. And not too long after that, the Wilpons hired Allen and company, bidding process, and we know the players. I mean, of course, Steve Cohen, Harris Pulitzer Group, and then I think our, our personal favorite for comical reasons, A-Rod, J-Lo, J.P. Morgan and Chase, among others. Um, there's a bit of a smorgasbord of, of characters across uh, major sports and entertainment. And it, it was, uh, I, I still believe to this day, it, the only reason why you had A-Rod and his group in this mix was really to keep Steve Cohen honest. I think it was always going to be Cohen. I think the Wilpons always knew it was going to be Cohen. And they needed to make sure that Cohen just didn't come in and, and lowball them, so to speak. So... Uh, but Cohen did walk away with a better deal today than he did back in December and, and up through February of, of 2020. So, uh, I mean, Cohen was patient. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. He's a guy that plays chess while everyone else is playing checkers. And I think that showed. So uh, the, the closing of this transaction cannot come soon enough so that hit him and Sandy Cohen can get off and running and putting together a front office and, and building out this roster. I think you called him Sandy Cohen. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> Sandy Olson. Sandy Cohen has a nice ring to it. Sandy, Sandy Cohen does have a nice ring to it, but <laughs> yes, uh, Sandy Alderson and Steve Cohen. <laughs> and I saw a uh, a tweet from Laura Goldman um, that he is going to make a deal for the SNY portion as well. Thinks that should be wrapped up, I think, like within 30 days or so. Um, I think it just makes all the sense in the world for him to have SNY as well. And you were saying he's a good chess player. I mean, the guy plays poker a ton. I mean, this is he—he he played the perfect hand here, and this fell into his lap. And I'm—I'm I'm guessing that SNY will as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think some of the the 30-day reports have been disputed regarding the window to negotiate for the network. But I, as you said, I, I it makes a lot of sense for him to own the network that distributes the product on the field. So I think he's going to walk away with it at some point. Is it within the next 30 days? Is it within the next 30 hours? I don't know, but it, it will happen at some point in the future. And back to uh, our buddy, Sandy Cohen, that you mentioned before, Sandy Alderson. Uh, it sounds like Steve Cohen will, once, once everything's official, he sounds prepared to make Sandy Alderson the, uh, the, president of baseball ops uh which i think is a good role for him and then it sounds like he's gonna have two guys under him a a general manager and then um i don't know if it'll be somebody else reporting the general manager i don't remember the exact term they use but what what kind of structure do you think cohen wants to have in place for the baseball ops team well alderson i think is slated to become president of the team um with Two personnel, two individuals underneath him. One being the president of baseball operations, and then the other being the okay. GM of the ball club. A lot of really interesting names have been thrown out there. I think a lot of guys in which the the casual Mets fan probably hasn't heard of. 
Sandy's going to be smart and putting people underneath him. Again, they're, they're going to be names that the casual Met fan probably hasn't heard of. Names like uh, Bobby Heck from the Rays. He's a special assistant in the front office. Billy Owens, the special, uh, the assistant GM for the A's. And another one I, I saw the last couple of days, Emil Suade. If I'm, I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, but he's an SVP and assistant GM with the Arizona Diamondbacks who spent a long time with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, he's another guy who's been linked to a role within this front office. So, um, again, probably names you haven't heard of as a casual Mets fan. But, uh, again, I think they're going to really put smart people in roles that um, are going to be very impactful. The big question I think that's on Mets fans' minds is, does Brody Van Wagenen still have a role on this team once the transfer of power takes over? Um, I, I don't know what kind of relationship him and Sandy Alderson have or Sandy would be willing to keep him on, but do you think that Brody is able to stick around for another year? It, it, it honestly applies to, to Rojas as well. So what are your thoughts on Rojas and Brody making the cut once the transfer of power is taken here? Yeah, I think that Brody is is going to be the first to go. I don't know how long into the the new ownership tenure for Cohen that he'll last into. I think he he will be let go. I think Rojas is is his he is safer in his role than Brody Van Wagenen, and I think uh, it's in their best interest to really focus on the higher leverage personnel within the front office. And and I would let I would let Rojas keep his job going into 2021. I thought he did a very a very good job this year, all things considering it being very challenging with the with COVID and the, the start and the stop and then the 20 game season or the 60 game season. And look, they were right in it up until the end. Um, a couple of things, if if they went their way, they would have made the postseason. Uh, surprisingly enough, but I, I like keeping Rojas. But I think Brody Van Wagenen will be he will be departing this team. Be a hell of a power move when Cohen comes in if he just decides to axe Brody right away as the first move. But it's it's a very strong possibility. I agree with you about Rojas. I think it's unfair to uh, to make a, a haste move based on a sixty game season. And um, the only reason I'm cons- I, I I would think maybe something could happen is we're seeing AJ Hinch come back. Alex Cora's in the mix for the Red Sox job yet again. You got to wonder, like, is Beltran back on the table? And it's, if Brody is still here, I wonder if it's on the table. I think if Brody's gone, I don't think there's any chance. But I, I don't think it's happening. I'm just kind of bringing it up just to see what, what you think. Uh, I've seen some stuff about it. But um, I just I wonder if Beltran is in the mix or any type of position with the Mets or any other ball club at this matter. I would say definitely not with the Mets. Don't forget, Rojas is well-liked within the organization, um, really from top to bottom. I think the players really love playing for him. So I think with that, the the difficult nature of this past season, he's going to get a chance to manage this ball club going forward. And I think he deserves it. So I wonder if, if Brody is axed and with Cohen now in control, I wonder if Rojas gets more control of some of the decisions because we've talked about before how we felt like maybe Rojas was being swayed one way or another or kind of being like a puppet of of upper management and whatnot and in some of his decision making maybe he has a little bit more control on the field this year if he does keep the job it's plausible I mean having uh it, I felt that over the course of the last couple of years and, and over the course of the last decade the the GM has really become more of a hands-on individual within the day-to-day of building out a lineup how the rotation is utilized really how the bullpen is also utilized so it wouldn't surprise me if if some of that still was within the control of the the GM and the front office of the Mets. But I I do think there will be a loosening of the reins, so to speak, where, where Rojas will be able to, to be uh, a manager of this ball club. He's got, he's got a great pedigree. Again, he's loved uh, throughout the organization. I think he should have as much latitude as, as they feel that he needs or should have to be able to, to manage this ball club effectively. Yeah. It'll be uh, interesting to see 
how this plays out in the coming weeks here. And like we said, uh, I, th- I think a lot of these moves are going to have to be made pretty quickly because they want to be active in free agency for some of these big guys. This team, they they have money that a lot of other teams are not going to have this offseason. And we'll get into some of the free agents and some of the guys whose options were declined, but it just seems like a lot of teams are not going to be willing to pay top dollar for some of these guys this year. But Steve Cohen is in his... He's in a different position than all these other owners. I mean, he just, he's got endless amounts of wads of cash here that he's willing to throw at these guys. And there's a lot of other factors for other teams uh, with no fans in the stands, concessions. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are just not pulling in money the, the way that they were when, um, when all was right in this world. So um, we'll see how that plays out for the Mets. But uh, just kind of recapping, I mean, I, I think we're both in agreement that we expect Rojas to be back for at least another season, um, see how that plays out for him in a full year. And I think I think we both are in agreement that Brody is severely on the chopping block once the power of transfer uh, is taken over by Cohen here. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But like we said, this has been a, a great few days for Mets fans. Never thought this day would come. And, um, yeah, we're kind of just free of the will ponds, and it's it's a good feeling. It's a nice weight off of all of our shoulders here. So we will see what happens in the coming weeks here, but Cohen should be the new owner. Changes are on the horizon. Let's get to um, some conversation here about the team and some of the off-season plans for the team. The big news, I guess, that came out uh, today was about Marcus Stroman. The qualifying offer was extended to him, um, over $18 million, and Stroman has 10 days to accept or decline that offer. If he does decline it, then he becomes a free agent, and the Mets get a compensation pick for it, which, honestly, completely fine with. I, I was not expecting him to take that offer, but seeing some of the guys like Brad Hand and Charlie Morton having their options declined, it makes you wonder how difficult it's going to be for some of these maybe middle-tier free agents to lock up a multi-year deal. I don't see how Stroman, granted Stroman is a little bit younger than those guys. That's the one thing that he has going for him, but he's coming off an injury and not a ton of success in recent years, but one has to think, is he going to be able to lock up a multi-year deal around 18, if not more, million per year. It just doesn't seem very likely. I could see him maybe settling for a multi-year deal with less annual annual salary. But, um, but there is the chance that maybe Strowman does accept it and really is not the end of the world for us because we have so many holes in that rotation. What are your, what are your thoughts, Joe, on whether or not he accepts or declines it and the starting pitchers market as a whole? Yeah, I mean, no brainer to offer him the the qualifying offer, as you said. Whether he accepts it or doesn't, it's a it's a net positive for the Mets. Um, he declines it, then we we get a compensation pick. He accepts it, accepts it, and then he's he's plugged right back into this rotation that desperately needs quality arms. Uh, we're very thin. The experiment with, and I, I'm going to say it's an it's been an experiment with Stephen Matz. It hasn't gone well. The uh, the one year deals to. Waka and Porcello did not pan out last season, both of which are our free agents going into this offseason. Uh, this, this, this organization desperately needs quality arms, and if it's going to cost us almost $19 million for a, a single season of Stroman, I w- I'm willing to roll the dice, especially given where this team is now headed from a financial standpoint. This is, uh, I have to suspect, 18 to, to $19 million is, is pocket change to Steve Cohen. Um, I, he's going to want to be smart about his money, and I'm sure he he and Sandy Alderson weighed in on the decision to extend the qualifying offer to Stroman. That's definitely something that's being executed by Brody Van Wagenen and Jeff Wilpon. Um, as we know, the the deal has not closed yet, so I think it's a it's a net positive regardless. Um, and if he chooses to accept it. I think it gives us an also a, a, an opportunity to be able to negotiate with him with only him um, for a potential multi-year deal. So it's, it's only a, a net positive for, for the Mets to extend him the qualifying offer. Yeah, there were some other interesting names that got the qualifying offer today. Uh, LeMahieu, Springer, Real Muto, Bauer, Stroman, and I think the most surprising one was Kevin Gossman on the Giants. I mean, he had a, a pretty solid season, but uh, 
I think that's a no-brainer for Gossman to accept that. I don't think he's picking up 18 mil on the on the free agent market. So it'll be interesting to see how those play out. I expect pretty much all of those guys except Gossman to decline it. But like we said, you never know with this market that we're in right now. Um, but two other guys had their options picked up by the Mets, and that's Betances and Brad Brock. And I think those are are smart moves. Um, I think it'll be good to have Betances hopefully fully healthy in the bullpen for a full season, see what he can do. And Brad Brock, I mean, just another arm out of that pen who does have experience at the back end of games. Um, can't go wrong. And like we said, it's kind of jump change for Cohen at this point. It's really nothing crazy. Um, but we do have a lot of holes in this team. There are some some big names out there. Um, let's let's discuss the offseason needs for this team here. Um, obviously, starting pitching, we have quite a bit of holes in that rotation. Right now, we got DeGrom. I think DeGrom and Peterson are really the only true locks. I think they're going to probably give Matt's an opportunity as the fifth starter. I don't love it, but, I mean, unless they sign a few guys, that's probably what's going to happen. Uh, you also have right now, according to roster resource, it's so early, it's hard to project this stuff, but Lugo is still slated for a rotation slot. Um, it, it'll depend on what they do in free agency. If Lugo is in the, the rotation or the bullpen, I haven't really heard anything yet as to what their plans are with Lugo as of yet, but this team clearly needs some starting pitching depth because if one of those guys goes down, I mean, we've got, we've got nobody really to, uh, to pick up the slack there. Um, a lot of our top pitching prospects are in the low minors and they really just came off of the out of season in minor league history where they weren't even playing games. It was just intra-squad games. So I don't know how ready some of those, those guys will be next season, but, um, I think starting pitching is a huge need for us. And I think it's time for us to look at locking in a true center fielder. Uh, Brandon Nimmo was ranked one of the worst defensive outfielders. He's really not a center fielder. He's more of a corner outfielder, possibly even a reserve outfielder, guy off the bench to pinch run or defensive replacement late in the game. Um, So I think center field and starting pitching are probably the two biggest holes for us. Um, Cohen, there's always the chance that Steve Cohen comes in and just wants to make a huge splash, whether it be via free agency or trade. Um, but I'm curious what you think are some of the, the biggest needs, and is is there any body on the free agent market that is just kind of like the perfect fit for us? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think you covered the needs uh, with our starting rotation. I really like having Lugo slated for the rotation it's all going to depend as you said what they do in free agency and where his value is most maximized again he's had success in the bullpen he's had success in the rotation we all know he wants to be a starting pitcher on this ball club i think if they are not able to replace his value in the rotation that's where he's going to be on opening day and i am content with that i think as most met fans yeah. would be um and he certainly yeah. would be as well so yeah and earlier on in our in the show, when we first started out, we were very against moving Lugo to the rotation mid-season. Uh, I think we were both on board with doing like an off-season transition, but now that the transition, I guess, I guess you could say, it went well. Uh, he didn't get uh, have any setbacks injury-wise. I mean, I think go, going into the off-season, knowing that he's in the rotation, I'm okay with that. I just I think we need to fully commit to something one one way or the other. I don't think we can do this change up mid-season again. Yeah, I think we'll know very soon. I think in the next couple of weeks, as the Mets start to cultivate their their offseason plans, where they're finding value for the rotation and where they're finding it for the bullpen, Lugo will know where he's going to be. And so he can prepare his offseason, whether it's to stay stretched out and, and play him like he's going to be a starter or uh, stay short and, and be in the, in the bullpen. So I think he, he's going to know relatively soon um, because I think they, they know how important he is to this ball club. Um, we talked a lot about the, the, before you the free- get, before, before you get onto somebody yeah. else, I just want to say if, if Lugo is slated for the rotation, it's a, it's a decent one, two, three 
between DeGrom, Lugo, Peterson. Obviously, Peterson needs some more experience, but it's, it's a good three to start your rotation with. I mean, it's possible to add somebody um, to round out the top end of the rotation, but those are three quality arms that you can hopefully rely on to give you at, at least five, hopefully go six or seven, but I think that's a good start to the rotation. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. I would definitely agree. Um, I'd be excited for the for uh, a top three like that, and if if Mass is the one that's uh, battling for that fifth spot, uh, that's I'm okay with that. Again, if, if he doesn't make this ball club for any reason, um, I I think I'd be okay ending that experiment, so to speak. Um, I really I really think that we need to consider moving Mats into a bullpen role full time. I have a lefty out of the pen. Um, maybe that'll change. Uh, clearly, he's just he's not cut out for the rotation. Once he gets through the second or third time of the order, it's just done. So, I mean, he's not even getting that. He could barely get through the first part of the order. But um, maybe he needs some type of change, and moving to the pen might be the right change for him. I think the change is getting out of New York. He's a highly emotional yeah, guy. That's uh, he, he, and I, look, I, I want him to succeed. He's a homegrown guy. He's from, from Long Island. He he cheered for this ball club as a kid. I want nothing but the best for him. But the best for him is probably outside of New York. Um, a highly talented prospect. He has some really good stuff. And you see glimpses of it here and there. But he's a very emotional guy on the mound. And when things start to go bad for him, they really go bad for him. And he can't find himself out of that hole. So... I think getting out of this market might be the best thing for him and his professional career. I just don't know what kind of value we would get for him at this point. It almost makes sense just holding on to him and seeing if we can kind of resurrect. And I, I saw that he was working with Phil Regan this yep. offseason, who did actually make some good changes, uh, mechanical changes with Mats, and he actually had a pretty strong second half in 2019 once Regan came along. So maybe... Uh, we've been getting hyped up on Steven Matz progressing in the offseason. Like, I'm I'm not expecting anything out of it, but it can't hurt at this point. Um, but it, I think it's it's a well-known fact that we just can't rely on Steven Matz going into the season um, to be anything that we want from him. Um, so we'll see about Matz. But <laughs> in terms of some of the free agents, or go ahead. I cut you off before. You, you, what else did you want to add to uh, what we were saying there? Yeah, I think uh, as you as you look at the the rest of this um, uh, rest of the arms on this ball club, having uh, Batantis and Brock pick uh, accept their uh, or exercise their options, it only adds maybe eight million to the payroll for next season. Um, honestly, uh, Batantis should be. Uh, I don't know how he's getting six million next year. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, I like to have his agent, <laughs> um, but okay. If we can get a uh, a marginally better Patances going into 2021, then we had I think his last couple of outings were, were rather strong. Again, I think his velocity over the course of the of the 60 games was rather uh, subpar for his standards. But if he can resurrect himself this off season and then have a strong spring training, I'll have him for six million. Um, and Brock, I mean, I'm a Jersey boy and Brad Brock, freehold guy, right? So. Yep. Um, I don't mind having him for 1.25 for next year. Like they, they got to bring in some arms in that bullpen. And look, I, I, I mean, I think we were really, really not uh, the biggest cheerleaders of Edwin Diaz at the start of the season. But he, he performed extremely well. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for him for 2021. I think uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say the sky's the limit, but I think having him anchor the, that, that bullpen is going to be uh, something that we're, we're going to be grateful for. Yeah, I mean, we gave Diaz a lot of crap throughout the season, but <laughs> yeah, he, he, he ended up being, um, I'd say, maybe even a top three bullpen arm the entire year uh, throughout all of baseball. Um, he was right up there um, st- statistic-wise, uh, metric-wise. I mean, he was right up there in some of the... Um, some of the I don't even know what I'm saying. Advanced, his K per nine was, what, the, like 15 yeah. or 16 per nine? I mean, it was unbelievable. Advanced, the word I was looking for there was the advanced metrics. I mean, he was um, the upper percentile in pretty much all of those um, categories. So he really had a bounce back year, but it was still, um, it almost gave you a heart attack every time he was on the mound. I mean, very stressful outings, but he got the job done. I guess in the end, as long as he gets the job done, that's really all that matters. Um, but 
yeah, it'll be nice to see Diaz for a full season. I think we've mentioned it before. I think the problem with him is when there's fans in the stands um, feeding off of those fans' reactions um, and the booze and everything. I think that really does take a toll on him. So, look, I, I think it might be a little bit less than that going into this into this season. I mean, ho- hopefully, fans are allowed back into the stadiums in 2021, and we're we're beyond this uh, beyond the, the pandemic. But I think as Met fans, we're just going to be a much more pleasant fan base because Cohen is <laughs> not as, not as miserable. <laughs> correct. So I think there's going to be a little less booing. It, hey, it's still going to be there. We're a passionate fan base, but I think there's going to be uh, uh, we're going to we're going to extend the leash a little bit further than where it currently sits because of the Cohen effect. <laughs> Something we're not used to as Met fans. Not at all. Um, but I agree with you. I think. I think Diaz at the back end of the pen uh, for a full season. It'll be it'll be fun to watch. Hopefully, he carries over that success from from the twenty twenty season. Um, but in terms of some of the free agent targets, uh, th- there are some some very interesting names out there. I just want to run through some of these. We ran a poll on our Twitter the other day. Um, who do we want the Mets to target? Uh, make their top priority in free agency, and the names that we listed out there were um, were Bauer. Real Muto, George Springer, and then we left um, we left the last choice just for other and for people to comment. Um, so su- surprisingly, I, and me and you, we both voted for jo- George Springer, uh, but Trevor Bauer actually won the poll. Um, <laughs> wasn't the, the biggest poll ever. We got like fifty votes on it, but um, Bauer still took forty percent of the vote there to twenty six percent for Springer in second place. There, um, I'm okay with Bauer. With Bauer, I just don't know how I feel about Bauer with all of his off field antics coming to New York. I don't know if he's going to use that to his advantage. Um, I just think it might get on every last Met fan's nerve. Um, if he continues to do that. So I don't know if I'm all about those antics, personally. I, I, I disagree with you. I, I think a Met, a Met fan base would, would welcome him in with open arms, and I think Cohen would be the owner, the type of owner that would allow him to to, to do what he does. Um, he gets a lot of heat from MLB in terms of uh, his antics on and off the field. But I think he's he's doing it to promote the game and doing it in the best way that he can. Um yeah, MLB is kind of a little bit of a no fun league with um, as it pertains to Bauer, but yeah. I, I think Cohen. I mean, given his presence on social media right now and and his his ability to or his desire to engage with the fan base, Bauer would be perfect for that. But I was I was surprised that he, he ended up winning our our poll, and I thought Springer was a no brainer. Yeah, and let me clarify, I I like what Trevor Bauer is doing for the game of baseball. I think it's fantastic. I think we need more content like that from players. I think he's doing a great job, but my concern is if he comes to New York and he just does not perform like he did in 2020, if we see 2019 Bauer, I just think he's going to get a lot of crap for it. And I just don't know how it's going to go over. And we don't even know if Bauer is looking to sign the one-year deal. Like he said, play off one-year deals, like he's previously said, or if he is actually looking for a long-term deal. I don't know, um, but Steve Cohen does follow Trevor Bauer on Twitter, which is yes, an interesting tidbit. Yep. So maybe there's some type of connection there. Um, but uh, like we said, me and you, we both we both voted for George Springer. I think George Springer really should be the top target. Personally, we need to fill that vacancy in center field, like we we're saying before about Nimmo. Um, my only concern with Springer is. How long is he actually going to be able to stay in center field for? Um, he is getting a little bit older. Um, what is he? He's 31 now. So, I mean, if we're looking to give him a long-term deal, I mean, if he's on the back end of 30, I mean, he's, he's going to be slowing down in the next few years. Um, he probably ideally should be moving to a corner outfield spot in the next few seasons here. Um, so I'm not sure how smart of a move that would be. Uh, they need to make sure that he could be uh, manning center field for years to come here. Um, the corners are kind of locked up at the moment. I mean, Conforto needs to be playing the corner. And then until we figure out this situation between J.D. Davis and McNeil, I mean, left field is going to be occupied by probably one of those guys. Um, but it would be nice if we could lock up Springer 
for a multi-year deal, I wouldn't I wouldn't go crazy and give him like a seven-year deal or something, but maybe like a four or five-year deal and uh, maybe some options attached to it. I think Springer will be a great presence at the top of the order. I mean, his metrics are still elite. Um, he's in the top percentile of a ton of these um ton of these stats here um his hard hit rate is still up there his barrel rate um he's got a above average strikeout rate walk rate i mean he's a he's a guy that you really want to build your lineup off of so i think this would really be a great bat to add to the mix there um but he's i don't remember who i saw it with on twitter but he's been vocal about how he does not want to go back to houston so i think a change uh, in scenery is inevitable here just a matter of who's willing to cough up probably the most cash. He is an East Coast guy uh, from Connecticut, so we have that going for us. Um, just not a far drive to City Field, but I think Springer could be a good fit. I think honestly, the best fit. Uh, what, do, what do you think about Springer? Yeah, I I, I echo what you just said. Um, I think you, this front office is going to start to think in windows, and the window in which I we need to take advantage of is the Degrom window. And his ability to put up Cy Young numbers year in and year out. Hey, he's human. He's not going to be doing it for the rest of his life. But we need to take advantage of DeGrom and what he brings every fifth day and build a team around him that's going to take advantage of his abilities while he is still performing at this elite level. So a four- to five-year deal for Springer is something that I think fits within that window to maximize the opportunity with DeGrom leading this rotation amongst the other younger players around him with a Michael Conforto, a, uh, a Pete Alonzo, a, a surprising Dom Smith, although maybe not surprising. I think we all knew he had it in him. It just came down to reps and playing time. But um, I think you have to start to think in windows with the mindfulness to the long term, but the window of DeGrom is something that we need to take advantage of. And I think plugging Springer in center field to fill that hole is something that this front office needs to do and needs to do really soon. Yeah. Couldn't agree more there. Real Muto is another name on there. I think he's kind of been vocal about wanting to stay in Philly. I think he might just, the bidding might get a little insane for Real Muto. I mean, he would be a great, he would be a great fit. Um, yeah. But for some reason, I just, I don't see that one. I think it's going to be hard for other teams to jump in on that. I really think he's probably going to end back up in Philly with Harper, I think Harper really wants him to stay. But we do need to sign a catcher. We declined um, the option on Wilson Ramos. So catcher is a vacancy that needs to be filled. And, I mean, Real Muto is the best in the game. Do you, do you uh, I'm, I'm clearly, I might be in the minority here, but I, just, I, I don't see Real Muto happening. I don't really see them being too aggressive. Do you think that that's a move that is at the top of Cohen's list? Or do you think he's looking elsewhere? I think it has to be at the top of the list, given who the type of the type of player that Real Muto is, um, and the vacancy we have behind the dish. Uh, I think his ploys to not want to leave Philadelphia, or at least not play in New York, are more of a leverage play to try to squeeze a little bit more uh, a little bit more money out of out of this front office. But I think uh, money talks at the end of the day, and I think if the Mets end up offering him something that he can't walk away from, he's going to be he's going to suit up in. Uh, and Mets blue and orange next year. Let's just sign all of them. How about that? I, look, I think we can, <laughs> but um, they're, look, they're going to be smart. Cohen is the richest owner in baseball by a long shot, but he didn't get to his status by being um, by uh, shooting from the hip left and right. He's a smart guy. He's going to put smart people around him, and they're going to spend his money smartly, um, which is... Okay. Uh, like it's 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 all we can ask for as as Met fans, but knowing the breadth of of possibility with him from a capital standpoint is it's unbelievable. Let me ask you about another name here. Uh, we got a comment uh, for an other vote, and that was Marcelo Ozuna. Um, obviously, Ozuna coming off of a career year um, where he had three thirty eight on base over. 431, um, 18 home runs in a 60-game season, just at the top of the leaderboards and some of these advanced metrics here. Uh, 96th percentile in exit velo, 97th percentile in hard hit rate, 94th percent in barrel rate. I mean, 
Ozuna clearly had a career year. He's hitting the free agent market at the right time for his career. But the person said that Ozuna should be an obvious target for the Mets. Um, if we didn't have such a crowded corner outfield, I would agree. I just don't see how Ozuna would fit into this lineup. We've got, like I mentioned before, we've got Conforto, who will be playing right field every day. We've got McNeil, who needs to be playing every day, most likely left field right now. You also have Dom Smith, and it's not a certainty that DH is here to stay for this season. Uh, it, it has not been decided yet. Uh, hopefully it is, because that'll make the Mets' lives a lot easier, being able to put Alonzo or Dom Smith at DH. But if not, Dom Smith might be playing left field, because you need to get Dom's bat in the lineup every single day after what we saw. Uh, so we could see Dom Smith in left field and maybe McNeil at third base more often than not. So I don't see how Ozuna is a fit on this team, even after the great season that he had. Do you think Ozuna is at the top of the wish list at all, or do you think that's just not something that we can expect? No, I think he creates more problems than solves. He, he would yeah. he would definitely complicate the situation um, in left field with uh, Jeff McNeil, with Adam Smith. Um, a little bit of JD Davis, so I think he he just he creates uh, a little bit of uh, not confusion, but he just creates a little bit of a problem with an already crowded corner outfield situation. Yeah, and even if a trade does happen, like I guess JD Davis could be moved. Um, I guess it's possible Dom Smith could be moved if you want to sell high after the season he had. Even if a move like that does happen, I still don't think. Ozuna is really an option. I think there's stronger needs, whether it be uh, catcher, center field, bullpen, starting pitching. I just I don't see that happening. I think he's yeah. a better fit on other teams. Yeah. Those high um, priorities. Yeah. So uh, a few other names on the list here: Liam Hendricks, possible he goes back to Oakland, or it's possible he just takes as much as much cash as he can. He's clearly the top reliever. On the market, he had a, a great 2020 campaign. He's really coming off back-to-back fantastic seasons in Oakland. Uh, we saw Brad Hand get, uh, I guess, the Indians waived him. They didn't want to pay his $10 million option year, so they waived him. Nobody picked it up, so I guess they were able to buy him out for a little bit less, and he's a free agent now. Uh, Brad Hand, He's kind of been up and down the past few years, but he's he still he's got a, a very good track record at the back end of the bullpen, um, a reliable arm, left-handed arm. So Liam Hendricks and Brad Hand are probably two of the stronger bullpen options. Obviously, you, you can always improve your bullpen. Do you see the Mets taking a hard look at one of those two guys? Yeah, I would say definitely. I think anything's on the table really for a solution for, for our bullpen. Um yeah, with, with hand clearing waivers, there's going to be a, there's a softening of the free agent market, especially as you mentioned earlier for the mid tier guy. Um, and I think it, a little bit plays into the fact that with the three man rule, you're using less. Uh, there's a there's a a decrease in importance on having numerous arms in the bullpen and and in terms of uh, quality arms and numbers. So I think uh, by nature you end up having a little bit of decrease in value overall for a lot of the mid-tier bullpen guys. Um, I think the only ones that really hold their value are the, the back end, the upper tier closers and, and setup men. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough free agent market for the mid-tier and lower tier guys. And uh, look, I, I think Hand and Morton are, are definitely guys and Hendricks are, are guys that we need to take a good hard look at. And I think if we're going to be able to get them at a, a lower value with a higher opportunity for, for, um, greater value in production. Yeah. I think, I think you're going to look at them and then maybe fill a hole with, with one, two, or even maybe all three of them. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot of one year prove it type deals for a Mm -hmm. lot of these bullpen pieces. I think Hendricks is probably the only one of the few that is going to get a multi-year deal based on his track record. Uh, But I think Brad hand probably going to settle for a one year deal. Uh, You got guys like Kirby Yates coming off of injury and a, a rough campaign. He might get a one-year deal. Kirby Yates, Tyler Yates' brother, by the way. Uh, maybe bring him back to New York. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think we might have to go with some of those 
guys that are looking for prove-it deals. And, um, I mean, could possibly be trade bait this upcoming season, depending on how they do. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be a tough market, like you said, for bullpen guys. Um, one other name I want to discuss here is Charlie Morton. Uh, the Rays did not pick up his option, so he's a free agent as well. Uh, I think it was around like 15 mil. It's it's a lot for a starting pitcher of that age. And, I mean, Morton has said before, I mean, he might be done after 2020. Obviously, 2020 is probably not how he envisioned it going and this, with the pandemic and everything, although they almost won the World Series. But um, I guess it's possible he goes back to Tampa maybe at a lower price. But I think Charlie Morton could be a very good fit on a one- or two-year deal with the Mets. He's also an East Coast guy. He was born in Jersey, raised in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. So um, those Northeast roots could uh, play to our advantage. I think Morton could really be a nice guy to slot in right behind DeGrom. Uh, Could help some of the young guys on the staff. And he, he still clearly has a lot left in the tank. He definitely could pitch another few seasons if he chose to. Um, between Morton and Stroman, um, Bauer, Kevin Gossman, if he doesn't deal, I mean, those are the type of starting pitchers. Corey Kluber, his, um, his option was declined by the Rangers. I mean, those are the types of guys, the, I would say, front-end to mid-tier starters that are going to be available um what do you think they do uh to get some starting pitching depth what kind of names do you think are going to be the main targets uh i mean i, I think bauer step someone that they're definitely going to take a good hard look at um i think we, any 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 opportunity to shuffle down a uh a seth lugo to the, the fifth spot uh a, a peterson to the fourth spot and if that means bringing back uh stroman signing a bauer signing um a charlie morton you're going to see them add through free agency for the rotation um if it's not one arm or if it's not two arms it's definitely going to be one arm um as you said we don't have really anyone waiting in the wings down in the minors to to really make an impact uh on opening day at the major major league level so they're definitely going to add some some arms through through the through free agency yeah, it'll be interesting to see which route they go. Um, one of the big names on the trade market has been Francisco Lindor. I think the Indians have been pretty vocal about uh, being open to dealing him by this trade deadline. They're definitely going to explore it this winter. I think the Mets have the pieces to make a deal happen. Obviously, I think you only make a deal if you can... If you can lock him up long term, I think it would be foolish to trade for him for for one season and then lose him. Um, the Dodgers obviously made out like bandits getting Mookie Betts and then being able to lock him up. Um, obviously, with Cohen and the pockets that he has now, I think a long term extension is on the table for pretty much anybody. Um, but do you think Lindor is a realistic option? Um, we have the pieces. We can discuss the pieces, um, but I want to get your thoughts on on Lindor if it's needed, and if it could pot- potentially happen. Yeah, if, if Cleveland's going to shop him and put him on the block, then I think it, we're it, we would have to do our due diligence and even and, and definitely look at it. I think plugging him in at shortstop would be uh, an incredible immediate upgrade. Look, I, I love uh, Jimenez. I think he's going to be a really really good ball player. But we only have seen him for a 60-game sprint. Lindor is proven. And if we could bring in a proven shortstop of his caliber, I think it's a no-brainer to to go for it. It's not even just Jimenez. It's Rosario as well. Rosario. I, well, Rosario is, I mean, he's at the lowest, lowest value point that he's had since yeah, he yeah. was 16, he, right? He clearly regressed, but... Um, he still he does have the tools. Um, I mean, it's hard to completely judge somebody off of a 60-game season. It's hard to get going. He lost his starting job. But he does have the tools to be a successful player at the big league level. Uh, Cleveland has... Uh, they do have a very good track record of developing prospects. They are very deep at shortstop, though, in their system. I know they have some, some guys up and coming that are ready to make an impact. So another reason why they might be willing to deal Lindor, and then the question is, is there any need for a guy like Rosario? But I think the key pieces could be Rosario, 
if they are interested in him, Jimenez or our top prospect, Mauricio. I mean, if you acquire Lindor, there's really no need to keep Mauricio, especially mm-hmm. if you have Rosario and Jimenez as depth pieces. The problem with Rosario is he hasn't played any other position at the big league level, whether it be second, third, or center field. At least Jimenez has played second and third base, and he's played them all exceptionally well defensively. So I think it would be in our best interest to hold on to Jimenez, especially considering we are known, not known for our, our defensive prowess. So um, I think I think I would personally dangle Rosario and Mauricio. I'm okay with doing that. But then the other pieces, I think you're looking at a package of at least three players. The question is, do you include Dom Smith in a deal? Uh, I think I'm reluctant to do so right away. I would definitely consider including guys like Nimmo or J.D. Davis. And then I guess all the other prospects are really on the table. Um, I definitely think there's a package that could be offered that Cleveland would have to consider. But I think you have to start with one of the shortstop prospects as the lead piece. And um, I, I really think that we have the pieces to make this happen. I really do. It'll be interesting to see if something comes together this winter at the virtual winter meetings or if this is going to run through the uh the trade deadline here but i think i really think this is like the perfect spot for lindor i really do and then you could pair him up with like a george springer once we sign him i mean that's a hell of a one-two punch (laughs) (laughs) and then real multi behind the plate i mean what what a what a (laughs) what a middle of the uh middle of the field we would have i could really see Cohen and Mets Brass, like, getting two big names, whether one's via trade or both via free agents. But I I really could see them pulling off two of these guys, making a big splash in year one of this regime. Yeah, I'd agree. We'll see who it is. But I think all these guys are on the table. Um, Which is something that we haven't been able to say as a Met fan base in a very long time. I mean, everyone is on the table. Yeah. I mean... The last big mega deal that we've handed out is what was it? Was it Beltran? That seven-year deal? Um, yeah, probably Beltran. Yeah, probably. I mean, probably. Cespedes. We know how that worked out. <laughs> Wasn't as long of a deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, David. Would, yeah, that was a his different situation. Was, long, was long. So Kurt, Curtis Granderson. Had, not the player that of, of this caliber here, but I really think that we could make a strong push for at least one of these free agents and then maybe a trade. Um, because there are some disgruntled stars. You could see maybe like a Nolan Arenado on the move, which would be an amazing fit. Oh my goodness. Plug him in at third base in this lineup. Um, but Arenado, Lindor... Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other names. I can't. I'm 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 running blank. But <laughs> Chris Bryant was another one. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of big name guys that could be made available, who've maybe struggled in the past season or so. But uh, I think this new regime, they're going to be ready to make an impact. And I think that's another reason why Cohen he wants to get in the door as soon as possible because there's a lot of work to be done for this team on and off the field. So we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, that kind of wraps up episode four here. Keep it right around an hour for you guys. Appreciate you guys listening. Feel free to give us a follower on, on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at MetsBBCarnival. You can follow myself, Zach, on Twitter at BravC. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Josephesco. And we'll definitely be back a few more times this offseason just to kind of recap things. Obviously, if a big signing or a big trade or something goes down, we will uh, definitely try and hop on as soon as we can to, uh, to recap everything. And like I said, that kind of wraps everything up. Joe, you have anything else for us tonight? No, hey, look, hey, we're, we're, we get to go to bed now for the foreseeable future. I think happy and satisfied Met fans, aside from the product that gets put on the field and, and how they execute. But knowing that we are no longer subject to the Wilpon ownership control of this organization is definitely something that, uh, that, that brings joy to, to my life. I'm sure it brings joy to yours and, and the rest of the Met 
the met world out there so it's a beautiful feeling man yes it is let's enjoy it and you guys enjoy it as well and thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time